If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Because that's what I'm going to talk about today. I've been um, today and probably next week, but we want to spend a little bit of time on this subject because this is something. It's one of our part of our core belief um, as as One Cause Church. We believe that um, in the gift of speaking in other tongues. Um, and it is an evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We, also, we, all, we believe in salvation by grace through faith. We believe in water baptism. We believe in all those things. But uh, I want to talk specifically about this area of tongues because there's so much controversy about it and there's so much misunderstanding and I, there just doesn't need to be that much trouble. And, and when we look at the scriptures, we really find the assurance and the peace and the truth about the subject. You know, it, we really have to go beyond what we feel about things because, you know, your feelings will lie to you sometimes. Oh, yeah. Right? And, and, or what we think about a matter, what we believe about it. But we need to question why we believe those things. And we at One Cause Church believe the Bible. And we base all of our belief system and do our best to live by the truths of the scriptures. Can I get a good amen today? And that we, we believe in something greater than just a light lot in life from the world. We believe in something greater than circumstances um, uh, making our pathway. Hmm? Happening, things that happen to us that, that kind of lead the course of our life and through, you know, whatever you want to call it, everything happens for a reason. And all these mystical things people say, when really we have the truth of the Word of God to guide us, the Scripture says, if we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him, He will direct our paths. Isn't that powerful? So there's much assurance that we find from the truth of the Word. And so I'm going to, I'm going to maybe... I believe I'll help you today. If, there, if, if you're concerning this thing right here, maybe it's something that you haven't experienced yourself or you're confused about it, you wonder about it, you're hungry for it, you're desirous of it, but you, you just want to know some more information about it. Maybe it's something that you have experienced, but it's kind of lying dormant in your life. And maybe this is a regular thing in your life, and I hope it is. Because there's, this, is, this is a rich, rich gift from God that I feel that many Christians fall short of experiencing the power of it and, and rely on other things to do what this gift was designed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been in this series called Why Am I Here on Earth? And uh, I hope you've been enjoying this. I've thoroughly, thoroughly been enjoying teaching it. And the first week, I just want to give a little recap and then we'll get into it. The first week we talked about uh, you know, the most important thing that we believe for us as humans on this earth to experience is to have a God encounter, is that every person should be born again. That is, born of the Spirit. That is, they put their faith in Christ, that he died for their sins, that he was buried and he rose again from the dead. And that decision right there is more important than any decision that any person could ever make, right? There are a lot of important decisions to make. You know, what kind of job you're going to have, what kind of career, what college you're going to go to, you know, who you're going to marry, how many kids you're going to have, all those kind of, what kind of home you're going to live in, car drive, you're going to drive, all those kinds of things, what you're going to wear, <laughs> whatever it is. But none of that matters because all of those thoughts, all of those things are based on temporary means. And that is the, the time here on earth, which is temporary. But this other decision that we make 
To be born again is what exceeds this limited time and takes us into an eternal life experience. You know, the truth is that we are all, the moment, the fact that you were conceived has settled the fact that you will live forever. All right? If you're here today, are you here today? (laughs) If you're breathing today, then, then you are an eternal being. Now, and you have no choice about that. You were conceived and that just, that's, that's how you came to be. But you do have a choice about where you will live for eternity. And it will either be in the presence of God or it won't. And, uh, but God has so wonderfully loved us and so wonderfully provided a way for us to have eternal life, not by anything that we could ever do or achieve, but through his son. Amen. And then we talked next week about, as children of God, what is it? Our lives, our, our relationship with God is not just a personal thing. It is a testimony. It's a story, if you will. You know, Jesus said, you are the light of the world, which means your life is on display. Right? Light is meant for others to see. And if you are the light of the world, then they need to see something, right? It's for the, the scripture says that they may see your good works. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And then Paul talked about that our light, that we are letters. We are letters. He said, you are our letter. He says, you are a letter of Christ. So we are lights and we are letters, which means we are to be seen and read. All right? So this is a really powerful thought. And then last week we talked about the mystery of life. The myst- that, that is that, that the, um, the mysteries of God unfold along the way. God doesn't give us the, you know, the entire plan of our life. Otherwise, we won't build a, a life of communication with him. We need to keep coming back to the source of the vision, the source of the plan, the source of the purpose. Are you hearing me? So along the way, as we consult him and as we build our relationship with him, he unfolds a new level of the mystery of life. I mean, a lot of times we would like it just put in practical terms. Just give me, you know, 21 steps and then I'll be good. Now, if I can just do this, 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 this. But, but the scripture doesn't really allow us that. He just t- teaches us things like God says, I will instruct you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Right? So... We, we, there, so our life is best lived by faith. That's when we're living at our optimum, by faith in God. Because when we're living by faith, then we're experiencing this reality of victory, whether we see it yet or not. That you, if you live by faith, then you live in victory. Are you hearing me? You are victorious no matter what you're experiencing because the problems that you face and the circumstances that we have have this incredible weakness. It's called temporariness. They are subject to change. huh? But your faith in God will will be there standing when all is said and done because God has called you to be on top. You're his children. You're made in his image. He's made you for victory. That's powerful to me. That blesses me. That God has so thoroughly blessed us with this ability to rise above every contrary situation and challenge that we face to overcome every enemy, every darkness, every evil, every weakness. Are you hearing me? Huh? 
and to rise to the top. It is his purpose. It is his plan. The scripture says he always leads us in triumph in Christ. I want us to turn to, did I tell you where to go yet? Genesis. Right after, right after the table of contents, you'll find this first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 11. Chapter 11. I'm going to get a little bit theological with you today. Is that okay? All right. Can you, can you take a little steak at 10 o'clock in the morning? Huh? All right. And I'm going to give you basically the theology of this, of this truth of tongues, and then we're going to get into some practical things concerning it. But I need to give you some foundation as to what the reason is for this. Why did God institute this? Why is it important? Why did God give us this gift of the Holy Spirit? All right, are you ready? Genesis chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face over the whole earth. Isn't that interesting that they said that let's do all this so that we're not scattered abroad over the face of the earth? Now, there are, are many problems with this entire idea that these guys are presenting, all right? First, there is no acknowledgement of God in any of their plans. Let us build ourselves a city. Let us build ourselves a tower. Let us make a name for ourselves. All right? There's nothing for God here. There's no, there's not, it's not for his name. It's not a city for him. And it's not a tower for him. It's all for themselves. All right? So there's no acknowledgement of him in any of it. Isn't that sad? That even after these are, these are people created in God's image who want nothing to do with the one who created them. The, given the gift of life and yet choosing to live life apart from him. Let us build for ourselves. Men made, fashioned, molded in the very image of God give no mention, no credit, and no glory to him. Second, they plan to reach heaven. Listen, Where's the tower I want to reach to? To the heavens. This, this is the story of mankind apart from God trying to attain heaven by his own efforts. Yes. All right? Trying to attain heaven by his own works, by his own good deeds. And, and it's really the sad and pitiful arrogance of man to believe that he can attain heaven through what he does. It's the world's philosophy that whatever you believe, it's okay as long as you're sincere in what you believe in. And that, you know, if you'll believe like that, then it'll all work out for you in the end. And, you know, as long as you did your best to help others, and if, if you were philanthropic from time to time, and if you aspire to be a good person. See, it's just another form of sewing fig leaves together to cover up a sinful condition. There's nothing that we could do to cover up, to, to fix the condition. Because actions, actions 
our actions weren't the problem, it was the condition of man. So actions could not fix the problem. The condition had to change. And there was nothing that a man could do about his condition because he was born that way. All right? So another condition had to take place, and that is men have to be born again. And when the condition changes at birth, see, then, then the actions can mean something. But the birth, <laughs> the birth is what gives you your position. The birth is what gives you your place. The birth is what, is what gives you your, your uh, place in the family of God, I should say. You're a child by birth, not by good deeds. Amen. The whole plan for this city is in direct contrast to God's plan for man. They want to do it all for themselves, and they want to stay in one place. Lest we be scattered throughout the earth. That's what they said. We don't want to be scattered throughout the earth. We want to stay here. All right? But in the beginning, God gave Adam and Eve their commission. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 for just a moment. Genesis chapter 1, go back a few chapters, and verse 26. And this is where God comes up with the idea for man. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over how much of the earth? All the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Next verse. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God created one type of species, and, or one man, and in, him, in that man was male and female. All right, let's go to the next verse. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Look what he says. Fill the earth. Fill the earth. You can't fill the earth from a little city that you built, right. right? Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on. So what God did was gave Adam and Eve the entire planet. Isn't that powerful? And he gave them this commission to fill the earth. Now, I don't know what that was like for Eve, but I think Adam probably got excited about that. <laughs> At least the process of it, right? Really? Fill the earth? All right. <laughs> We can do this, can't we, Eve? Right? I think he was right in on it with God. So God's plan for man was to cover the earth. He gave the whole earth to man, and he wanted the whole earth teeming with people. Now, let's go back to the Genesis 11 for a moment. Let's look at verse 5. Genesis 11, 5. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they began to do. Now, nothing that they propose or imagine to do will be withheld from them. The, um, uh, the Amplified says nothing will be impossible for them. Why? Because they are one and they're speaking one language. All right? 44 years ago today, in the wee hours of this morning, uh, men walked on the moon. 44 years ago today, Neil Armstrong stepped out of Apollo 11 onto the surface of the moon. Yeah, think about that. How in the world did we accomplish such a thing? That's an incredible thing. Humans walked on the moon. 
You know, as a matter of fact, that has kind of become the, the staple for our frustrations about when things don't work our way, right? We can put a man on the moon, but we can't untangle this cord, or we can't do this. We can put a man on the moon, but my phone won't work, you know, whatever it is. Like we, we, that's, like the, that's like the highest aspiration of mankind, right? We've made it to the moon. Now, how is it that we can't do these simple things, right? But how could it happen? It had to start first with a man imagining a man walking on the moon. Started with an imagination, with a thought, with an idea, with a dream. And President John F. Kennedy gave a speech to a joint session of Congress on urgent national needs on May 25th, 1961, in which he said, First, I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to earth. And so answering President Kennedy's challenge and landing men on the moon by 1969 required the most sudden burst of technological creativity that we had ever seen up to that point, and the largest commitment of resources, $24 billion it took to do this. Uh, it was, it was the, the, most, the biggest contribution ever made by any nation during peacetime. And at its peak, the Apollo program employed, listen to this, 400,000 Americans, 400,000 people to get that guy on that surface. And it required the support of over 20,000 industrial farms and universities. And on July 16, 1969, Apollo 11 was launched by a Saturn V rocket from the Kennedy Space Center in Merritt Island, Florida. The Apollo spacecraft, it had three parts to it. A command module with a cabin for three astronauts, which is the only part which actually landed back on Earth. A service module, what... Uh, which supported the command module, all right? This is where the electricity came from, the oxygen, the water, the propulsion for the, for the uh, movement, and a lunar module for landing on the moon. After being sent toward the moon by the Saturn V's, um, the upper stage, the astronauts separated the spacecraft from it and traveled for three days until they entered into lunar orbit. What an amazing experience. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin then moved into the lunar module and landed in the sea of tranquility, and they stayed a total of about 21 and a half hours on the moon's surface. And after lifting off in the upper part of the lunar module and rejoining Michael Collins, who was orbiting the moon in the command module, they returned to Earth and landed in the Pacific Ocean on July the 24th, 1969. You know what that teaches us today and what God said right there in this verse of Scripture, that anything imaginable is possible when people are united in vision and language. Isn't that amazing? You know, that's why one cause is what one cause is, because we're all here with the same vision, the same talk, the same speech. We are here to do something marvelous for God together, and we believe it happens through the cause of Christ, through the preaching of the gospel of Christ, that he died for our sins, that he was buried and he rose again. And we do whatever means possible to get that message out. And we understand that the method is not sacred necessarily because 
things change. Times change, people change, and so our method of doing it is different. But the message is always the same, right? We'll never change the message. Otherwise, we're, we're lost. Anything imaginable is possible when people are united in vision and language. Now, uh, let's go to verse 7 now of Genesis 11. You guys okay out there? Yeah. All right. We're, I'm leading up to something here, so stay with me. Come, verse, 11, uh, verse 7 of chapter 11. Come, let us go down. This is God speaking. Let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the, over the face of all the earth, the very thing they did not want to do. Part of their mission statement was that we don't want to go everywhere. We want to be here, right? And they ceased building the city. They ceased building the city. The man was hammering away and he had his bag of tool belt and had nails in there and he ran out of nails and he says, hey Bill, can you get me some more nails? And Bill says, no comprendo. He says, what do you mean, what? So their languages were supposed to, they couldn't work together. Nobody could understand one another. So then they began to migrate to the ends of the earth. Now, therefore, the verse, verse 9, therefore its name is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Now, I want to now I'm going to get a little theological with you for just a moment. All right? This is a curse. All right? And this is a curse that affected the entire planet. Right? It divided people, divided languages, divided people and put them put them into different people groups all over the planet, right? So it it caused a disharmony among people, and so they could only harmonize within a small group right? No longer could they, could they, with this one language, one people, accomplish great, great, great things. They could only do those things on smaller levels, all right? So it was a curse that covered the globe, but this was actually the third curse at this point that was worldwide. The first curse happened when Adam and Eve took a bite of that fruit, and the scripture says that by that one man's sin, death came to all mankind, right. right? So the first curse was the curse of sin and death, right? And no one can escape that curse. Everyone who is born is born right into that condition of sin, right? So God, who is a God who rights the wrongs of things, I'm grateful to him for that. He would not leave these things like they were, so God put a plan of action together, and the only cure for this sin and death was the death of his own son. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So men who were born were doomed to die because of sin and death. But Jesus Christ came, and the scripture says, by that one man's act of obedience or his sacrifice, grace abounded. Where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. As, one man, as through one man's sin, death came to all, much more those who receive 
the, gift, the, the grace of God, the abundant grace, and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ, all right? So God reversed that curse by giving his son Jesus, and Jesus' blood settled, settled the matter, all right? It didn't just cover our sins, it took them away. The scripture says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, all right? So he fixed the deal, but... but we have to believe that in order to receive the benefits of that, right? In order to receive, to have that grace at work in our lives, we have to believe, right? We offer up faith, God gives grace, and that's where the supernatural things happen. That's where the miracles happen, when faith meets grace, all right? The next thing was, the next universal curse, that first one was sin and death. The second one was when at one point the scripture says that men's hearts only imagined evil all the time. And so God looked on the earth, and the scripture says that he was sorry that he ever even made man, except one guy by the name of Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And Noah, his wife, his three sons and their wives, eight people, found themselves in a large boat with two of every kind of animals, rescued from the worldwide curse of the flood, where men all went to their death in a watery grave, all right? That encompassed the entire globe. But God did something marvelous about that. To reverse that curse, there's this wonderful thing called water baptism. And the scripture says that when we go under the water, when a man, when a believer, that is, is submerged in the water, that the old nature, the old sinful, Adamic nature is then buried at that moment. And when they come up out of the water, they rise in newness of life, identifying with Jesus Christ coming up out of the grave. All right? It's a powerful thing. It's more than just a symbol. All right? This is a funeral for the old things and a new start, a start for the new things. All right? Now, this is, this is not salvation in, in, in the matter of justification, but there is a salvation in it in called sanctification, which means there's a separating from this world by that action, by, from its system and its ways. You are identifying with Christ through the waters of baptism. And even Peter told the, the Jews in Acts chapter 2, he said, uh, be baptized in the name of Jesus and be saved from this perverse generation. All right? So there's lots of salvations. There's this, the, the soul salvation, the spirit salvation, and the, and the body salvation. So this is, this is part of that separating process for us to be able to live this new life, this resurrected life reality here. Are you hearing me? So it's not only good for us to experience that, but it's also a symbol or a demonstration of us to the world that we've separated ourselves from the old things. Yeah. All right? And that now we're walking, our, li our lives are identified with Christ. But now this third thing, this universal curse of divided languages, how is God going to fix this? How is he going to fix this? The divided languages, the divided men. It's really interesting, and we've got, we got to go quickly to Acts chapter 2, and I'll finish with this thought. And we'll get into some more next week. Is this okay today? Yes. All right. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 1, it starts with this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. <clears throat> and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house while they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues. 
divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Check this out. They're representing every nation under heaven. All right? And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Wow. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So it's amazing what God used at one point to scatter and to divide people. He took all of those languages and jumbled them up all together in one language called the language of the Spirit. And these people, these 120 people, these Galileans apparently, they just began to speak by utterance of the Spirit of God, this divide, this tongue that once divided people, and it brought people together. And they said, what is going on here? We can understand that in our language. God performed a miracle in just a moment and restored or reversed, I should say, that curse that divided men. And the scripture goes on to tell us that 3,000 souls were added to the church that day by that miraculous event. Extraordinary, isn't it? And, and after this initial moment happened, the church began to come together. I mean, they sold their possessions. They all came together and lived communally. They ate with simplicity, the scripture says, broke bread together, and the church blew up, man. I increased and just, just multiplied and multiplied and miracles are happening by this event of divided tongues coming from men's mouths. Isn't that extraordinary? And the nature, you might write this down, the nature still was in effect. The nature of the divided tongue was still to scatter men to the uttermost parts of the earth. As it was in a cursed form, but in a redeemed form, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Wow. Wow. So when, when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, that does something in us that it causes us to not, it causes us to take this, this experience with God from just a personal thing to our mission to tell the world. Thank you for your enthusiasm this morning. You're all like, is he talking to me? Huh? It's an extraordinary thing. And God was doing something marvelous here. And I have to ask you today, and I don't understand why. And and maybe it's because I was raising this all my life. That's not really the reason why. After I've studied the scripture thoroughly about this subject many, many times about this amazing experience. Why is it that this is the choke point for so many believers? Why is it that that many stop right here and go, that ain't for me? Why is that? We know it's from God. 
You know, the scripture says that, that Jesus, uh, John's speaking of Jesus, and he says, I baptize with water, but he's coming. And he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with power. Yeah. And that's extraordinary. And we'll talk next week about what the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how the Bible defines that. But I just want to just, just throw something at you for just a moment. Just something for you to think about this week. Don't let this be a choke point in your life. Yeah. All right? Because let's just think about, well, that's just, I, Pastor, that's weird. That's just weird. I know it's weird. I've been doing it all my life. I still think it's weird. <laughs> you're, not, you're not telling me anything I don't know. Right? But let's just, can we just follow a little path of logic for just a moment? So you'll believe that God through the Holy Spirit overshadowed a teenage virgin girl and impregnated her through that process. Not just any ordinary child, a God child. That this being came down from heaven, impregnated this young girl, and she conceived and bore the son of the living God. God in the flesh. Are you with me? We believe this, right? Okay, you're a freak already, all right? If you believe it, you're already, you're already out there, right? Then you believe that this man grew up, or this boy grew up to be a man, and that, and that he turned water into wine, and that he had this amazing healing power, and that he actually raised dead people back to life, and that he cast devils out of people. Anybody believe in this so far? All right. Then you're whacked. All right. You believe that? Think about it. You believe that he healed all who are oppressed of the devil. And then you believe that all the bad that you've done, he willingly got the blame for. Wow, nice, nice escape for you, huh? What a deal. Oh, yeah, Jesus paid it all. All right? And you believe that you're not going to be penalized for any of the wrong you've done because Jesus was penalized for you. And you believe that all you get is the good stuff. You believe that you're going to live forever. You believe that after Jesus did all these things, that he died on a cross and his blood washed you from your sins, right? And then he was buried in a tomb, and then he himself got up out of the grave three days later. All right? You're, come on now. How weird are you already? How messed up are you already to believe this? And then you believe that one day, just a few days later, he just started floating up into heaven, just left the earth. And now he's seated next to the Father praying for you. And yet you choke up about speaking in tongues. Are you kidding me? That's where you stop? I mean, come on. Like I said last week, if we're going to go weird, let's go weird all the way with this deal, huh? Let's be this shining light in the earth. Pray in the Holy Spirit. If you've not experienced this for yourself, I want to invite you to do it. Because it will change. I'm telling you, it has brought such richness in my life, my relationship with God. I can't even explain to you. But remember last week we talked about how you're speaking the mysteries of God. It's a glorious thing. And I have to stop right there. But next week, next week, I'm going to get into some what tongues is and why we do these things, all right? Getting to some real practical things about it. But 
Listen, it's a, it's, it's a wonderful experience, and I wanna, next week I'm going to invite you, I want to invite you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're going to give some time for that, for all of you that are hungry for it, that are ready for it, and I'm very excited about it. All right, let's stand together. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Cause Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.